You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Pimp Cron, and this is episode 29. Of course, is the Fluff and Casual podcast where we aim to ignite the flame of hobby in every one of you. And we generally just don't take things too seriously and enjoy the hobby and enjoy playing games with our friends. So, what do we have in store for you tonight? Well, as always, I enjoy doing this in no particular order, so I will start with the real talk tonight. Cron uh, Jr. and I are finishing the AOS Deathmatch, the AOS Start Collecting Box Deathmatch. And you will finally find out who we think has the coolest looking models in their start collecting box. And we also have a Tesseract mailbox coming from Artemis. And they write in that they want to use glitter paint on their models. And whether or not we can do that, how do you do that, what's the application for that, do they just dump a bunch of glue and glitter all over it, whatever. And uh, uh, McStorman joins me for that. We also have a, well, here's an idea with a win-loss record with me and Just James. Uh, Just James has this idea, and I let him run with it. So let's see what he has to say about actually keeping a win-loss record. What's the benefit of it? How would you do it? There's a lot of complications to this. So We also have a Want That or Not with McStorman and I, and we discuss Pig Iron Productions, which is a third-party company that uh, doesn't make anything specifically for Warhammer, but it is 28mm, and they have some really cool-looking models that actually come out cheaper than GW, and they would be great play as for Chaos Cultists, for Astra Militarum, for uh, Heretic, uh, no, no, not Heretic Astartes, uh, uh, Renegade Guard. Or, of course, you know, Brutality, the best game on Earth. Any of those. And finally, we have a Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, where we finish the Sacred Pools from the second supplement, which is the uh, Lands of the Ether Realm uh, Psychotropics, and we are finishing up the Sacred Pools section of that. That's the first of, I don't know, four or five different areas in that book. Uh, first of five areas. So, um, I don't have a whole lot to talk about. I've been uh, working on my Grey Knights, and I've been enjoying them. They're definitely a challenge, and I enjoy that. Uh, that's the only reason why, like I said before, uh, suddenly, now that I know that Grey Knights are shit, I'm like, whoa, hey, Grey Knights. And uh, I've, I've made that army now. So I am currently 2-2 two and two is my record for Grey Knights. And it almost was 3-1, and one, but Just James with his Gene Stealer Cult just barely eked out a win the other day by tabling me. He had, like, I don't know, seven models left on the board, and he killed my last Strike Squad member. And I was beating him in points, but he beat me because he wiped me off the table. So it was nearly three and one. But I'm having great success with uh, with Grey Knights, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Now, of course, it's not tournament play. Uh, I, I can see very readily that they do not hold up very well in tournament play. But just regular play, I'm enjoying them. And uh, I've got a couple new ideas for them that I want to try out. And... Uh, there is other, one other thing that I wanted to mention is that I got a lot of good feedback about people being interested in my battle honors that I give my models, and being that it is not very common that I give them one, I figured I'd share it with the podcast every time I do. Today, this morning, I played with my friend Josh, Age of Sigmar, and I played my Stormcast Eternals versus his uh, Beastagores and uh, Beastmen, basically. And... 
I had to give battle honors to one of my liberators. It was a five-man squad of liberators that held on to the objective against 30 Beastagores for a total of eight full turns of close combat. So uh, that's four game rounds, but of course once per player, so it's eight turns. And I had one guy with one wound left at the end, and they had killed a lot of the Beastagores. Um I ended up having... I don't give uh, battle honors if they die in battle, so I actually had to retreat him from combat because I didn't want him to die, and then I couldn't give him battle honors. So he was the last of a five-man squad. They put in some serious work. Uh, he was get, he had a, a minus one Ren, so of course, they're only getting a five-up save. You're rolling ones with the shield, and uh, I can't tell you how many times I rolled, oh, here's here's three fives and sixes or, or whatever. They just tanked those shots. The last two people for like two straight rounds just tanked hits. And uh, unfortunately, the other guy died before the end of the game, but this guy survived. So have not decided exactly what I want to name him, but I do believe I will be putting a 40k purity seal on him. And uh, and I'll do it that way to make it like a metal, which is what I also do with my guard and my uh, space marines anyway. That's basically it. Uh, yep, I think that's about it. So let's start this shit. Episode 29 of the Pimp Crown Warhammer Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. Welcome to another edition of the Tesseract Mailbox, where we answer letters and messages from our beloved fans. Today, the Pimp Crown is joined by Mick Storman. Hey, guys. All right, and we have a message from some person named Artemis. And they write, Dear Pimpcron, my husband and I have an ongoing discussion on the painting of an Adeptus Sororitas army that he will paint, which he told me will be mine, but that he will also play. So he's a clever man. Mm, yeah. uh, the models in question are Celestine and Gemini Superior, which have wings. He asked me how I wanted them painted, and I told him specifying a gl- glitter top coat on the wings. The hub says the hubs says he won't put glitter on them. Quote, because you just don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen models painted like stormtroopers and sugar skulls. I simply want my boss bitches to glisten in the light of the fires of retribution as the sinners burn. Thoughts on glitter and it's signed Artemis. (coughs) So what are your first thoughts on putting glitter on a model? Well, just I think glitter in general just sucks. It just it gets everywhere. It's messy. It gets over you. And even like a month later, you still have glitter on your hair and fingers, and it just it's everywhere. Yeah, and they they call that the herpes of craft supplies because you <laughs> never just, ever get rid of it. That's that's a good point. I never thought of it like that before. But yeah, yeah, it's true because if you have children and they use they bring anything from school or whatever that has glitter, it's just freaking everywhere. So, uh, you would would you suggest putting glitter on these models the way you would normally use glitter i want it i think it would look like cra- it looked like a christmas ornament if you like yeah. put glue on it and dipped it and it, just, it would look so like tacky i just don't think it would work that way also i think another another point to be made there is that it would be like crusty yeah i could see that yeah you know covered in glitter like that you would lose all your detail it would just be crusty oh see if any pieces broke off it'd be huge chunks and it would just it would look like ass yes <laughs> like some nasty ass yeah okay uh, that's, that's a nice uh uh simile i like that uh, I agree. Yeah. uh so it will look like nasty ass artemis okay i see my share of some nasty ass <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, but, you know, Artemis does mention putting a top coat of glitter. So potentially there might be another way to add glitter to these wings. Um, McStorman and I were discussing, and what did we come up with that you might be able to add glitter to these models without just covering them in glue and dousing them in glitter? Uh, we found online, um, well, actually, not online, but in general, there's some uh, nail polish with glitter in it, and it looks amazing. So both of us have daughters, and uh, do yours use uh, nail polish yet? Uh, yeah, a little, not not too much, but she does. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of our daughters are young, and um, but mine really like the nail polish, and they have. I know from experience, and I'm uh, Artemis may also know this that they've got a ton of uh, clear. Um, they have a ton of different colors that are like clear, but they're tinted. So they're like a they're like a clear blue, and they have blue glitter in them or purple or whatever, and. Uh, I feel like that would probably be the best way to add glitter because the the little glitter you you really have to worry about the size of your glitter, mm-hmm. and that sounds stupid. But you know, like the sprinkle on glitter yeah. is giant compared to like the type of glitter you'd want on a model. So, uh, we've discussed it, and um, also you know, another option would be uh, color change paint because I know our local Hobby Lobby has like uh, I think they've got like four or five different colors. And it's like blue that as you rotate the model, it turns to purple or red turns to orange or whatever. Now, I know that's not glitter, but that's kind of an alternative if you want something neat looking for the wings. Uh, So uh, McStorman and I, in the most masculine act we've ever had in our (laughs) 20 years of friendship, 20 plus years of friendship, we went online and searched nail polish with glitter in it. And we picked three of our favorites that we would suggest for you, Artemis. And from a guy's perspective, these... Nail polish colors look amazing, and I, I'm actually excited about trying it on my miniatures <laughs> because they look really cool. These are these are not some sort of cheesy glitter, you know, whatever, like you'd picture glitter. This is really, really super fine glitter. So it's like um, this first one that we've picked, um, I'll let you introduce it to it. Uh, actually, it's, it's called Starly is the um is the brand starly uh, nail polish and it's called bioluminescence and it's blue and uh here's what it says about it blue jelly base with holographic glitter and holographic pigment whatever the hell that means i don't know i have no clue but is that freaking gorgeous or what it, it looks like you're looking into space i mean right into the universe it looks it's, it's sparkly and shiny it looks amazing yeah and um now what we're seeing here is it's 15 dollars, but honestly i mean a regular pot of paint's five dollars so yeah and it looks like a big compared to other paints like you'd use this is this would last you a long time i think absolutely and you know it's probably an, an enamel anyway or something like that. actually it says lacquer so it's mm-hmm. it's going to be strong uh, one thing that um, McStorman and I were talking about, we were afraid that it might chip off, but, you know, like it chips off your fingernails, but uh, I think a, a nice dose of clear coat would. Yeah, would... I mean, that would definitely work, especially, yeah, you're only covering one part of your miniature with it, so I would I would say it would work. Yeah, and, you know, um, I'm pretty sure that our nails chip, um, you know, with, with not polish on them, because we're like always scraping them on stuff or whatnot, you're not doing that with a model, so I'm. Yeah. I'm pretty positive that this would be good for it. Yeah, I, I can um, see this working. So after a Google search, um, Starly brand Bioluminescence for $15. Uh, it is absolutely gorgeous if you're going for a blue. Uh, our second candidate here, our second favorite, is... Oh. I don't know what that is. What kind that is. Oh, I f- hold on. No, like straw, strawberry. It's called, it's called Perfect Brand. Mm-hmm. 
And it's Strawberry. Yeah. It's Strawberry. Not st- Strawberry, but mm-hmm. Strawberry. And uh, that's pretty hot, too. No, that looks good. I like yeah. that color. That's it's a, like a nice. it's like a dark crimson red with the, all these um, finer splotches of, like, you know, glitter in them. Uh, that one, I messed up the name a little bit. But this next one, we actually have the brand. And uh, this is from Cupcake Polish. Wow. Cupcakepolish.com is what it's called. And this is also... Oh, actually, this is for $13. And this is called Garnet. And it says, Garnet is a super sparkly, full-coverage, hollow, micro-glitter polish. This deep burgundy color... It's not burgundy, it's purple. This deep burgundy color is rich and vampy and is one of our most requested colors ever and one of our most popular finishes. (laughs) So, uh... Yeah, this is new territory for me. I've never, I've never been a nail polish like, guy. This one would be really cool for a cape, uh, like a wizard's cape. It just looks really cool. Yeah, they call this a deep burgundy. It's absolutely a dark purple, so don't be fooled. Uh, but this is also awesome. I mean, now this has a little more color to it. Like the sparkles are actually like slightly rainbow sparkles in it. Yeah, I like that one a lot. But they're so tiny. Like, when people think, you really need to go Google search this, because when you're thinking rainbow glitter, you're thinking, oh, shit, it's covered in rainbow. No, these are tiny, tiny. They even call it micro. It's hollow micro glitter, whatever that (laughs) is. So, um, I hope you learned something today in this uh, Tesseract mailbox, because I sure did. Yeah, I mean, have you seen anyone use uh, nail polish to paint their miniatures, like, especially glitter? Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to try that. I have not. I have. I had an old friend that used to use car paint uh-huh. before they started making the, the little pots of hobby color change car paint. He used the color change car paint. Now, the problem with it is it was much thicker. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to really thin uh, it down with like down. mineral spirits or something like yeah, had to. Yeah, uh, he had to use some sort of paint thinner. Uh, but uh, that looked sweet. When you, like, walked around his models, they went from, like, green to brown to orange or whatever. Huh, that's cool. Yeah. And, um, uh, so anyway, that, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. But, um, you know, I never really thought until Artemis wrote in that glitter might actually be an option for models. I, I can't wait to try it. Yeah. So, uh, and matter of fact, like you said, for that, that, that Starly brand, that Starly brand one, uh, like you said, it looks like the night sky. These people spend so much time trying to like on the on the Those little dots or putting yes. on there. <laughs> so I've seen like um um Eldar like sorcerers. They got these awesome capes, right? And um people will paint like a whole um space theme on the back of it. And you know what? How much time that takes to, to paint I, I all those little. I couldn't even imagine doing that. Just, yeah. Oh my goodness. So especially I... if you mess up, like no. <laughs> so if you just put this thing on there, that that dark blue glitter paint on it that would look baller like it would look awesome so all right well this is definitely new territory for us but it's been a lot of fun researching this and hopefully artemis you can convince the hubs as you call them convince the hubs to let you put glitter on them uh just don't smother it in glitter and make it look uh like uh what was it nasty ass you said nasty ass nasty ass don't make it look like nasty ass artemis <laughs> thanks again for writing in you can uh contact us at pimpcron at gmail.com facebook.com slash pimpcron or somebody dear god somebody please call into the voicemail again we've had what uh two calls we've only ever had two calls oh oh yeah the one guy said we had good words <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway later want that or want that not 
On today's edition of Want That or Want That Not, we're switching gears a little bit. We are not, I repeat, not covering a Games Workshop model. Gasp. But today, McStorman and I, the Pimp Crime, are going to be covering some Pig Iron Productions, which is a third-party company. And um, they don't make anything specifically for Warhammer, but they are 28mm. And I think they would look really, really cool for a couple different um, play-as applications and some very unique-looking armies. So these are called Colony Feral, uh, is, is Colony Ferals is what uh, this is called. And uh, how would you describe them, uh, McStorman? Um, they're very incestuous looking. Like they've been <laughs> very uh, inbred over the years. No, I mean, they, they kind of, if you want to imagine that. Yeah, like, they really do. <laughs> they're like mountain men. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, not... Like deep underground. <laughs> yeah, they're, so they are dressed all in rags. And they've got, like, futuristic guns. Uh, what else could you say about them? Uh, it's like they're, they're half, like, mutated. Like, uh, human mixed with robot and technology mixed in with it. It's it's pretty neat looking. Yeah, they've got some uh, they've got some mutated faces, too. They kind of look like, uh, what's the guy from the Goonies, the big monster? Oh, um, oh, I forget his name. I can't Come remember. Come on. No, I, don't, I, I, don't I can't shop. think of it. That's the boy's name, but I can't remember the... the... Anyway. A couple of them have like like their heads dented in and their faces all goofy. Um, from like looks like they're from the Goonies. Uh, but these would be awesome, awesome stand-ins for either Imperial Guard, um, for your troops if you're doing like a where you take all your people from a hive city because they really look like they're poor, dirty, uh, rag-covered troops. And uh, they have you know a generic rifle type weapon which you could play as a las las gun. Who cares? And um, the way they're painted on this website, uh, they're just uh, just browns and greens and dirty. Some of them have some sort of gas mask. And then other people, I guess the ones that don't get the gas mask, just get mutated because they got the big goony faces. Yeah. And uh, so they have Colony Feral Infantry for 10 pounds, uh, 10 British pounds, which makes out, I think, about $15 US. And uh, it's for five of them. And so a 10-man squad would cost about $30, which is still cheaper than GW's prices. <laughs> it's, it's like, let's play a game. Who is cheaper than GW? Everyone. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand, but okay. And these are really pretty models. Yeah, they, they look really good. So you could easily, very easily, with no kit bashing at all, use these either as a, a renegade guard or even regular guard or chaos cultists. So they, these would fit any of these. But they definitely have, like, an underhive feel. Uh, they have some colony feral specialists that have, like, um, uh, some heavy weapons and things. Uh, nothing looks, like, super analogous to Warhammer, but you could just say, oh, this is a heavy stubber or whatever. Um, but the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is uh, $10 US, uh, I'm sorry, 10, 10 pounds, is the colony feral HQ. And these guys really stuck out to me. What, what really sticks out to you about these guys? Well, I like the one guy holding a staff, and it's a computer chip. Yes. That looks pretty cool. That is freaking awesome. It's like, it's basically like a mini banner he's holding, and it's this massive, like, motherboard, yeah. and, and that is just too cool. That really uh, strikes me. Uh, they've also got a guy with, like, looks like a, kind of like a plasma gun type rifle uh -huh. on the left, mm -hmm. and a guy kneeling down, and there's a guy, like, issuing orders with his hand out, and uh, things like that, but the guy... So that's like your command squad type idea. But the guy with the banner with the microchips really, really strikes me as something awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, so 
if you don't want to buy these models for this much, and you're more into kit bashing like Loremaster Alex, uh, they also offer a ton, and I mean a ton, of colony feral heads. And um, they've actually got three sets of these, hooded and unhooded, and that's what we were talking about earlier, where they look like the Goonies. And you're getting, uh, looks like 20 heads for about 7 pounds. So 20 heads for about $12 US. And uh, then you could definitely, if you've got your Chaos Cultist or whatever, you could definitely help kit bash them with these new heads. And finally, the last unit it seems like they have that would work well for Guard or uh, uh, Chaos Cultists. Um, what are these guys? These Hold on, what are these guys called? These are called Colony Feral Blades. And what do they look like? It's all melee. And they, they look really cool, too. Same same kind of color scheme, claws and hooks for their their hands and... Yeah, it looks really. I don't. What's the guy from the second from the left? What's he holding? Um, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. He's knelt down. the The angle on the model is not like super yeah. great, but um, these guys look like they're carrying meat hooks. You know those big hooks that um, like a butcher hooks into the meat to pull on the yeah. rack. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. they got big old meat yeah. hooks, and uh, several of them have like a uh, uh, Batman Bane style mask on their mouth, mm-hmm. and uh, they just look really dirty and ragtag. Uh, so, by the way, I'd like to mention that I have never, ever spoken to or corresponded with uh, uh, Pig Iron Productions. Uh, I do know that... So, in other words, they did not pay me to say this. I just really like these models. And uh, I know Loremaster Alex has bought a lot of stuff from them because of his... Uh, uh, he's got a very... I mean, literally not one model in his entire Astro Militarum army is stock. Everything is like, here's a... AK-47 3D printed, and then they've got these arms from this this company, and the heads from this company, and the body from this company. Before he paints them, every model is like, here's a metal arm and a plastic arm and a 3D <laughs> printed rifle, and then a metal head, and it's he's done a pretty amazing job of kit bashing this whole army. Huh. And um, actually, I was looking at one of his heads. The reason why I wanted to take a look at Pig Iron Productions this week is because I was looking at one of his heads this uh, Wednesday, showing me a model he made. I'm like. Where'd you get that head? That doesn't look like, uh, you know, 40K. And he said, Pig Iron Productions. So uh, I would suggest if you like, um, you know, the problem with Chaos Cultists for Chaos is they've never made a real box of them. So you all have these. There's only five poses and you have these easy build things. You can't customize them. Hmm. So you only have five poses and there's these five dudes and that's it. So... If you wanted to have some variation in your army, you could easily buy these, and they'd still be cheaper than GW. And, you know, um, actually, these come out to the same price point as uh, they make these little uh, tiny little boxes. GW does sells them for fifteen dollars with like five models in it. Okay. And that's the same price as this, so it's no different. And uh, these these appear to be all just one piece models. Uh, they might be multiple pieces, but they're metal. Yeah. Now that is one thing to notice. Not everybody likes metal. See, I don't, I don't know why people don't. I, I love metal. I think metal's so awesome. I, I don't like plastic. I'm the opposite. I think plastic's cheap and flimsy and yucky. Uh, it, it, there is something nice, I think, about having a the weight of yeah, a model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like it's worth more. Yep, and it's funny because I've got um all of my mega knobs. They're mm-hmm. these. There's these orcs and these massive suits of armor, mm-hmm. and all my metal knobs are metal. So uh, did I call them metal knobs? Mega knobs. Yeah, mega knobs. Um, all my mega knobs are metal. In my head, I said metal knobs. I don't know why. But um, 
all my mega knobs are metal, so they're super heavy. Like you could throw in and hurt someone with them. They're heavy. And uh, if people have the plastic ones, you pick them up and you're like, oh shit, it's yeah. made of paper. Like it's so light. Yeah, no, I don't, um, I don't like that. And especially for a unit that's supposed to be heavy and, and all that, you feel like it should be heavy. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so I would go uh, tell everybody to check out pig-iron-productions.com. And uh, they're apparently out of Great Britain. And they look pretty freaking sweet. And of course, they have other factions on there. But I figured I would just pick one faction that looked neat to me. And so would you, if this could give you, I know you don't play Chaos Cultists, mm-hmm. but do you think these are cool enough to buy either for brutality or just to paint yeah. or for 40k no they're really they're really nice uh it'd be fun to uh paint these um uh, these miniatures I mean, especially if you want to use them for like villains and uh, oh yeah but I, I would recommend i mean that's something i would like to have also not to mention you know in uh brutality you only need like five models yeah that'd be perfect so <laughs> there you 15 go 15 bucks you yeah. got an army yeah uh so there was one other thing i was going to mention and now i can't think of it so I would definitely want these. I don't actually, I do have a Chaos Army. I don't play Chaos Cultists. So that's the only reason why I probably won't be pulling the trigger on these. But if I ever change my mind, before I go to the GW ones, I will definitely be going to these Colony Feral Blades and Colony Feral people because they look pretty freaking sweet. Now, one warning is that some of the heads look a little derpy. Like I said, the guy from the the Goonies. Yeah. Uh-huh. They got like a dented in head and they're missing this teeth. Some cool, I think. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's um. I mean, it's it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. It's not like super yeah. serious. But uh. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you for being on McStorman, and that no is problem, an problem. that is another want that or want that not, and it was two thumbs up for Pig Iron Productions. Now here's an idea. And now it's time for, well, here's an idea with the Pimp Cron, and today I'm joined by my bestest friend in the whole universe, Jess James. Hello. He's always very excited to be here. So today, Jess James had an idea, and he was like, hey, well, here's an idea. And I said, what's that idea? And he's like, this is my idea, and what was it? It was making a win-loss record for yourself and your gaming group, I guess. Okay, but my first thing with that is like if you're not a hardcore competitive player then don't you kind of self-sabotage yourself because some of your games or many of your games you're not like trying really hard to win you're just having a good time well i mean really it's just you make a spreadsheet and you have your one side it's all all you and then the top row is uh, the other people's names, and then you just cross-reference down to where you are, and then you put either a W or L. It doesn't really matter. Oh, so you're saying that you're not really doing a total of your wins and losses, really. You're doing like a per-opponent thing. Right. Just uh, see if they beat you or if you beat them, and... You know, some somebody might beat you a lot, and you want to keep playing them to eventually beat them. That's interesting. Do you think you'd ever add, uh, you know, a lot of our players play multiple armies, so do you think you'd ever add a second column or or something like that where it says what army they played? Or what army you played? Uh, I guess you could, if you have enough space, you could put win or loss, and then put in, like, parentheses, whatever army they were playing. Okay, what about a tag team game? 
Uh, <laughs> you could just uh, go fuck yourself. I don't know. <laughs> so does it count if you have a, a tag team game? Do you just not count it or do you count both opponents in both of their slots? Uh, I would just say single. Single. Uh, or you could just take, make a separate chart for that. Oh, separate chart for that. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, put who you teamed up with and then who you faced. No, it makes sense. I'm making fun of you. But no, that's actually a really good idea because I'd thought a while ago to do a win-loss, but I never thought of doing it per player. So then I was thinking, well, a lot of my games, I'm just trying to have fun. Like, I'm not actually caring if I win or not. So then I'm going to screw my own score. And then it's not like a real... I mean, of course, I could just... I could just record the ones that I'm really trying and then do your win-loss like that. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I guess that's true, but how many games? We I play roughly four times a week. I mean, a little more than that in the winter, but whatever. So that's, um, what, 200? Uh, four times a, a week. I, I'm stupid. Four times a month. I'm sorry. Yeah. So You're very stupid. <laughs> so 48 uh, games a year, and... I'd say, I'd say maybe ten of them are really competitive. Yeah. So, meh. I mean, you, you're a heartless bitch. So you would just crush people that you knew were like less skill. You know, they don't roll well. You're all that. damn right. That's right. You don't care at all. And I've heard you laugh so many times. I, I, I run our local gaming club more or less, if you can call it that. And, uh, just James, he, I get a lot of complaints about him because he's very good at the game. And he just does not hold back. He's he's like that one guy at the orgy you don't want to be there because he's really rough with everyone. Everybody's hole is getting fucked. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to leave that in there or not. We'll see. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, so the, the, man, I've completely thrown off the win loss record of this actually, I think is a good idea. I don't know why I never thought of doing it per opponent, but, um, I've also heard something similar is that some people keep just a journal and they're like, I played this person, this date, win loss army, but, uh, yeah, you could go into further detail with what your list is against their list. But I feel like yours is probably a better idea because you can just easily look, oh, Tim? Oh, I played Tim. This is the win-loss with just this person. You're not flipping through pages and pages of yeah. journal entries. So, um, and, you know, I've said before that I use my uh, battle honors, you know. I mean, it's not that often, what, once every three months or so, one of my models get a battle honor. But that's my mini version of what you're talking about. Because yeah. I, I always write down in a in a word processor sheet, you know, who I was playing, what army I was playing, what this model did to get what he earned his battle honors, and did I win or lose, what the date was, the opponent, and all that. But that's certainly not recording every game. So I actually think that's a pretty darn good idea. And uh, well, you're welcome. Yeah, are you gonna start doing it? Uh, nah, I don't. I was gonna do it at the start of this new year, but uh, maybe I'll, at the start of the next month, I guess. Yeah, and another thing with that too is that you know, uh, both you and I are pretty good players. Like we're not we're not 
Andrew Hagenbottom, uh, two-time Shorehammer Highlander champion level players. But, you know, we're both good players. So it, um, it would be interesting to see if you really do have an inflated ego or not. Like, are you better than you think you are when you record all the games that you really tried? Yeah. You know? I've been on a hot streak lately, so... Have you? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. For the most part, I've been on a hot streak. Except for those, like, seven games that you lost, yeah. Uh, don't talk about that. Don't mention that. No, actually, the last, what, three times you've come over to my house, you beat me. Yeah. Yeah, so... He's pretty easy. I, <laughs> I'm pretty easy, and, uh... Uh, Like I said, James is relentless, so do not invite him to your orgies. All right. Thank you for being on, Mr. James. No problem. Whoa, this is a bonus 10 seconds to this segment. What if, just just bear with me, that list that uh, you make of all of your wins and losses, what if you used our idea from last episode about using your old codexes and putting a, a fresh sheet of tablet paper in there? So then you would have like this official, like if you play your Demon's Codex or whatever, or just your favorite army, whatever. It doesn't have to be that way. But um, uh, you put your chart in that. So you've got this nice like hardbound book of a tablet for your wins and losses. And it looks looks neat and it's professional. Just say yes. Okay. I've used all the dating sites that are out there and each one is exactly the same. Full of players and losers who only want one thing. That's when I found out about joining Pimpcron on Patreon. With a simple monthly donation, I get all of the love and support from Pimpcron that I could possibly want. See you later, dating websites. I've got the patreon.com backslash Pimpcron. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. Oh, here is a personal okay. favorite of mine. Oh, Nagareth, well, hey, you, buddy! You named him Nagareth. Uh, well, it was from that paint, Nagareth Knight. Yeah. So, next we have Seraphin. Now, this is a lot of models Bow. in this box. Round nine, fight! So, we have Night Haunt, which is now 2-0 in this battle. And we have Seraphin, which is one of my all-time favorite armies, and I own it, just like I do Night Haunt, and, and I love Nagareth. it. And it's got his favorite Carnosaur model that he named Nagareth. So, um, what do you think about this one versus the Night Haunt? This is pretty clear for me. Which one is better, the Night Haunt or this one? Uh, this one is awesome. I've liked the little scuttly dragon guys. Hands down, I think this one beats the Night Haunt. Yeah. Uh, the Carnosaur is really propping up this whole box. The Carnosaur is so cool. That is such also, an awesome I, model. There's a like a priest guy on it too. Uh yes, he's um a scar veteran or one of the other variants. Now the um the Saurus cavalry, the guys on the um on the dinosaurs uh, back there. Thingies. Yeah. They are pretty cool looking. I like those models. I think the unit is hot garbage on the battlefield as far as stats. I do not like them at all. But I love the models of them. And the Sauruses, the guys on the bottom, the Saurus yeah. guys, um, they are pretty nice. They're older models, but they still hold up pretty well. Yeah, and they go in swarms. So Night Haunt in round nine has been dethroned by the Seraphim start collecting box. Now we have the Seraphim start collecting box versus Skeleton Horde start collecting box. Bow. Round ten. So the Skeleton... 
the Death Rattle Start Collecting box comes with five Black Knights, which I own those, and it comes with ten skeletons, which I own those, and it comes with uh, looks like um. A flaw. Okay, it's got spirit it's a, hosts attacking this other. This skeleton. it's a Mortark. Okay, there's also in the picture there. It's it looks like a spirit host is attacking a skeleton. It does. It does look like that in the picture. But that's a Mortark. Now I have not assembled my Mortarks, but I do own that model as well. I. St- so the skeletons, I think, are pretty basic. I don't think they're anything to write home about. I love Nagarith. And also, I just like everything in the uh, in the Seraphim thing. I I agree. I think the Black Knights in this box for the Death Rattle yeah, are kind of boring. Yeah, they're kind of too dark. And the um, the Skeleton Warriors are pretty boring. The Mortark here looks pretty awesome, but he alone cannot outweigh the Seraphim. Yeah. Yeah, so this is... Uh, three and zero for Seraphim. Uh, Two and zero. I think this is round nine. Or no, it's 10? round. This is round ten, and the Seraphim win again. Uh so now who do they have to fight now? This is going to be a tough one. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Here is another one of my round eleven. This is one of my all-time favorite models in mm, this box set. This might win. This is the Fire Slayer box set for dwarves. Now, versus the uh, Seraphim, the Fire Slayers have the Magma Droth or whatever. Now, I don't own this army, but I have flirted with the idea of owning this army for literally years. What, you want to marry it or something? I would if I could. It's not legal in Maryland. (laughs) So, um, marrying plastic models is not legal. Um, So, what do you think about these guys? Now, there's something that's stuck in my head for years. Somebody once said that they look like fat, naked babies. <laughs> they do, actually. <laughs> fat, naked babies just covered in fire. Yeah, well, they have beards. Those are beards. Oh. But um, they do look like fat, naked babies. It really <laughs> bothers me that they're naked, right? Uh, that magma droth, that big dragon in the back, yeah, is so cool. So, but I don't think the Berserkers look that great. That's one of the things that has really taken me out of this army. And it's because they're naked babies. They're fat, naked babies. <laughs> so, what do you think about the Seraphim versus the uh, Fire Slayers? I think the fat, naked babies are kind of blah. I don't think those models are great. But the Magma Droth may be one of my very favorite models ever that GW has made. So, that is really going to skew my view on this one. But the Seraphim overall, every single one of the units in the Seraphim box set are pretty nice looking. And, of course, your um, Nagaroth looks oh, oh, awesome. Nagareth? Yeah. So, what's your vote? Fire Slayers or Seraphim? Uh, um, I, I can't decide. Seriously. like the Overall, the, the which one do you think is better? Because that Magma Droth is awesome. And the Naked Babies. I see that's that's a real downer for me. I don't like the I don't like the berserkers. They look silly. Um Come on, you got to make a decision. I vote for Seraphin. I think overall the Seraphin so Na- Nagarath, right? I, I I vote for Seraphin. All right. So Seraphin I think is 3 and 0. This is round 11. And um the the Carnosaur in the Seraphin box is um so cool, it is maybe just slightly less cool than the Magma Droth, right? Yeah. But the Saurus Knights and the Saurus Guard 
are way cooler than the naked babies. Yeah. So Seraphin win out again. Bow. Round 12. And we have the Seraphin fighting the Sylvaneth. And they look they look like they're fighting those uh those like fo- uh those tree people and S- the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Oh, the dryads? Uh no, not dryads. Aren't they they're... called dryads? Um they they uh I know what you're talking when about. When you kill them, they get taproot. Like, I forget what they're called. All right, well, anyway. The Sylvaneth are one of the coolest looking armies for me. Overall. Tree people? Everyone knows that because of my love of terrain and trees, that I'm a tree person. Yeah. And these guys look gorgeous. I absolutely I, love I, them. I have to vote for this. I hate I hate to turn on my love, my seraphim. I hate to turn on my seraphim. I know I I like Nagarith, but I can't be biased. I think the seraphim. I mean, I think the Sylvaneth look better. This box set looks cooler than the seraphim. Yeah. That's sad. We're ending the uh, what three three win streak of the seraphim. Yeah. So the Sylvaneth went out, and this is round twelve. Going on to round thirteen. Do your gong. The Beasts of Chaos. So the Sylvaneth fight off against the Beasts of Chaos box set. Ooh. Now, you've got some uh, like Beastagores and Ungores and whatnot. Half these people are goat men. Half these people are like bulls. And then you've got the massive dude in the back who can be like a Cyclops or a couple different things. Um, um, I don't care for the tiny guys. I don't really care for the tiny guys either. These, As much as I love beast men, I think their actual troops are kind of boring. Yeah. Um, and against Seraphin, I mean, uh, uh, Sylvaneth, I think I there's... Think Sylvaneth will still win. Sylvaneth definitely wins in my heart. So, sorry, uh, round 13. Is this round 13? Uh, yes. Yeah. Round 13, the Sylvaneth still went out. Woo! All right, now this one's going to be a tough one for old Kron Jr. Because this is round 14. Fight! This is going to be a tough one for old Kron Jr. Because this is your Age of Sigmar army. Yes, Iron Jaws. Iron Jaws. So, against the Sylvaneth, start collecting. Okay. Is this one cooler? It's got, uh, what, two or three, uh, gosh, what are they called? The the pigs. Uh, the, yeah, the pig, the pig armor The guys. gore. It's got the brutes. It's got the war channer. It's got the war boss. Uh, um, actually, I don't see a war boss on there. Is he the one in the armored one? War boss on the... Uh, yeah, war boss on the Gorgrunt, I think. Gorgrunt, I thank you. Could not remember what that was called. Um, gosh, I, I don't want to say this. I think the Iron Jaws might look better than the Sylvaneth. Yeah. This is a really tough one. Because the Iron Jaws, I love those Gorgruntas. Love those models to death. Um, what do you think? I like this one because, well, I'm not trying to be biased, but also I just like the look of it. They're all like yellow and black, which are like, which is like a really good combination. And uh, they they ride on giant pigs, <laughs> and and they and this guy's just holding up two pieces of wood with smiles carved on them. Well, they're actually bones. Oh, but yeah. Now the the tree ancient or whatever the uh the the big the tree guy on the Sylvanus 
he's really propping up their army because their tree people look okay, but they're just kind of tree people. Yeah, they're. Um, but the. Ah, gosh, I hate to do this because the Sylvanith I really, really like. I. Th I think that between these two, I would rather have the Sylvanith one. You want to bring this down to a coin flip? Heads. Call it. Oh, Iron Jaws went out. That was a tough one because I really like this set. So I'm not upset with this outcome. Okay. The Iron Jaws went out against the Sylvanith. So we are on round 14 and the Iron Jaws went out against the Sylvanith. Okay. But now we... 14. And now we are going to be fighting the, the Demons, Demons of, of Zinch. Now we got some pink horrors in here. We got three flamers. We got three. Oh, um, you got floating stingrays. Uh, yes, they're called. Um, um, oh, come on. All I can think of is discs of Zinch, but they're not. Oh, there's also crawling uh, ring lady purple blob guys. Yep. So do you think this looks cooler than the Iron Jaws? You got the exalted flamer there too. I, I don't know. Um, I <laughs> they're both awesome looking. They are awesome looking. Uh, the pink cars are cool models. So are the flamers of Zinch. So are the. Uh, why can I not think of the name of those manta rays? Why can I not think of it? Um, you know what? I'm gonna have to look this up as we talk because I got the demons book right here. So anyway, um, which do you think? I think the iron jaws look pretty neat. Um, I think the demons look pretty awesome. Quit looking at what I'm doing. Okay. They're Screamers of Zinch. Oh, Screamers of Zinch. Yeah. Okay. So I honestly think the Iron Jaws look cooler than this. Eh. What do you say? I have to agree. All right. Iron Jaws went out again in round, uh, what, 12, 13, 14, 15. Round 15. Now round 16. Bow. Demons of Corn versus Iron Jaws. Eh. Don't really like Demons of Corn that much. I really don't. This this box set does not do anything for me. Yeah. Um. Kind of a little bit dark for my taste. It's also kind of boring. Like, they all look the same. They're all kind of blah. I definitely think Iron Jaws. Iron Jaws. Oh, Iron Jaws win again. Woo! Okay. Um, now, uh, this is... Okay, um round 17. The final round, round 17. Who are they going to fight? The Iron Jaws. The Demons of Nurgle. Demons of Nurgle start collecting set. Now, you got a lot of stuff in this box. Oh, it's got you... flying yeah. spiders? Yeah, they're blight drones, I think they're called. Okay, flying elephant spiders. That's what I'll call them. Yes. And you've got the pile of Nurglings. I love the pile of Nurglings. Uh, Nurglings look like tiny little white babies. Uh-huh. So, do you think this looks cooler than the Iron Jaws, or the Iron Jaws is cooler than this? Now, the reason why I keep voting for Iron Jaws is that overall, I really like the look of the Iron Jaws, but those stupid uh, oh. Gorgruntas hold my heart for some reason. I really, really like the Gorgruntas. Yeah, the bad thing is I don't own them. I own the Grots on... Wait, no, those are, those are a different army, sorry. Yeah. Um, you get the grots on wolves. Yeah, grots on wolves. Uh, so you, I love those blight drones or whatever they're called in the back. I really, really like them. Do you think this would be a cooler looking box set to get, or would be the Iron Jaws be a cooler looking box set to get? Um, 
it doesn't really scream out to me, but I like the pink babies. I I don't really like the uh, me- the melee troops because they all look the same. Yeah, the uh, those are um uh, plague bearers, and they're kind of boring. But I really like nerglings. The little piles of, yeah. <laughs> of nerglings. <laughs> they're just piles of babies. They're little babies, and uh, I really like those blight drones in the back. Yeah, the uh, spider elephant flying things, and they're. They can fly good enough for other things to just crawl up onto it. Mm-hmm. And then you get some sort of hero in the bottom there. This is a tough decision, because... Little pink babies versus my precious iron jaws. Well, the difference, too, here is that um, what exactly do you value in your models and your start collecting boxes? Because for me, I like to have variation in my units. In other words, you got some plague bearers. You got some nerglings. You got the blight drones. You've got the um, uh, the the character there, and but on the iron jewels, you also have you have the spell chanter. You the have, war chanter. Uh, you have the brutes. You have the, the gore gruntas. You have the gore gruntas, and then uh, the brutes riding on gore gruntas, and then uh, war boss on the gore grunter. Was the war boss actually in that, or was he just an armored gore grunta? I think. Uh, it's a war boss on an armored Gorgonta. He does look different than the others. And I'm curious. Although I'm not certain. He might just be the sergeant. I don't think he's a actual... No, this is a unit of three Gorgontas, so you don't get a war boss on that. Oh. He's just like the sergeant. Probably the boss knob or whatever. I I hate to say it, but I have to stick with Iron Jaws. Uh, yeah. As far as... Because the Nurgle... Nurgle's a real tough decision because they've got so many different units. You could play with them differently, and they look different. But the Iron Jaws look so cool. Yeah, that's my problem. You got a lot of problems. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, is it is that your decision, the Iron Jaws, oh, or yes. the? Yeah, I hate to say it, cause man, my heart is still on the Seraphin and the Night Haunt Mortis engine. I like those pile of pale babies. <laughs> pile of pale babies. <laughs> A uh, pile of Caucasian babies in the Nurgle set. <laughs> Caucasian? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, there you have it, folks. We think that the start collecting box that looks the coolest. Now, it doesn't mean the entire model range. That means exactly what is in the start collecting box. We think the start collecting box with the Iron Jaws is, is the, the tr- coolest it's the grand champion. It is the grand champion in this, and I have every intention of doing this with 40K as well, because it's a lot of fun. Thank you, as always, for being on my podcast, Cron Jr. I love spending time with you. Me too. And uh, You enjoy making... spending time with yourself? It's kind of uh, conceited. What? No, no, no. what? <laughs> it's kind of conceited, but oh, whatever. Oh, well, yeah. I am a lot like you. I, I've always believed I, I'm 70% you. Yeah. Yeah, you don't just have half my genes. You've got 70% of my genes. <laughs> All right, well, that is it. Thank you for listening to our Battle Royale deathmatch between all of the Start Collecting Box sets for Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Bye. Let's get brutal. It's that part of the show where we discuss Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron where we discuss my 28 millimeter, or really could be another millimeter, but it's generally 28 millimeter 
free rules, use your own models, skirmish RPG war game. And it has RPG light elements. But I'm sure you've heard that more than once here. What we are finishing up today is uh, we're on the second supplement book, uh, Realms of the Lands of the Ether Realm. And we are discussing um, the finishing up the sacred pools of the Psychotropics. So we have an interesting type of creature that lives in around the uh, sacred pools. They're they are called glitches, and they are not easily seen, but travelers should still keep an eye out for them. No one is sure if glitches are actually blanks, as in they don't have a soul and they're a type of animal, or if they're also prisoners of Ishtar's plot. They take a human-like form, but no details can be seen except for their blurry outline. So think of like a predator in his uh, invisible form, where you can kind of see them, but you kind of can't. Everywhere they go, they are just a human-sized transparent distortion in their surroundings with no physical body. They float through trees, rocks, and the ground with ease and are impervious to weapons other than magic. Frost magics seem to harm them in particular, which may explain why they are far from the colder regions. They make no noise while passing through the terrain and have never uttered a verbal sound that anybody can recall. The danger... Then again, nobody is quite sure if they have mouths at all. The danger they represent to travelers is that they come quickly and without warning to snatch people and drag them into the ground, causing those people to be intangible as well. When touched by a glitch, the victim also becomes intangible and is easily drawn into the solid ground with their captor. They are never seen again. So, good God, I have no idea what that is, but that would be freaking terrifying. Perfectly silent, generally humanoid, blurry, clear, almost invisible shapes, literally drifting through trees, rock, ground, everything, and they grab you, turn you intangible, and pull you into the ground with them. That is freaking terrifying. So, nobody's sure exactly what they are, but they're scary. Here is a backstory about the Sacred Pools. The story of the Pool Guardians is a legend that permeates this entire area, and nobody's sure if they are real. Legend has it that in the first centuries of the Aether Realm's existence, they were a group of people who were the first to find the Sacred Pools. They set up their home in this area and swam in the pools, drank from the pools, and watered their crops with the pools. This saturation of sacred pool water gave them immunity to all forms of harm, and they literally became impervious to all forms of damage. The goddess was not happy with this workaround of her plan, and so struck them with an incredible, unquenchable thirst. These people have been lying at the bed of the pools ever since, feverishly gulping the water. Some say that they become enraged if a person spends too much time in the pools and will pull you under to rip you apart. So, that's, um... That's pretty freaky as well, where these people, they don't actually drown, they just sit there because they've been cursed by Ishtar, and they just drink and drink and drink and drink and drink for eternity. And, uh, that's, there's a, there's a bunch of creepy shit, honestly, and brutality, and that is why I love it so much. So, that is the wrap-up for the Sacred Pools. Next, uh, next episode, we're going to be doing the Sand Sea. And uh, the Sand Sea is a, um, a desert region with constantly shifting sands. And uh, they have these giant monsters called swarms, which uh, think of Tremors uh, from the movie Tremors. They're these giant worms that go into the ground. Uh, you can actually even see swarms in the Sand Sea on the giant map of uh, the Aether Realm. The Sand Sea is on the uh, west side of the Psychotropic continent. But anyway, as always, 
thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And I, uh, if you could please give us a thumbs up on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Podbean, anywhere you can. And we have some links to those uh, to rate us and like us uh, in the show notes. And I guess that's it for the Pimp Crown Warhammer podcast for this week. I love you all, unless you're a power gamer. You know what? I'm in a good mood. I even love them. Good day.